Welcome to Craft of Code, a podcast brought to you by Linode that explores the stories of developers, entrepreneurs, and enterprises of all sizes from all over the world who share our mission to make cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible to all. We hear a lot about startups that begin their journeys with Amazon or Google. Over time, we also learn that many have a habit of using alternative cloud providers like Linode for various projects and workloads. And for some, they realize that those alternatives ultimately make a better fit for their business. Sometimes it's a better fit on price, sometimes performance, sometimes a combo of both, and sometimes just simply a better culture and mission fit. What's amazing is when those startups end up creating something really cool that's a natural fit for the specialized services that a provider like Linode provides. That's what happened with Dev Murkaji, CEO of Anomaly Software. Dev built his career on open source. He started Anomaly, a multifaceted technology company based in Australia, on the foundation of open source to deliver large-scale solutions and minimize lock-in for clients in higher education, healthcare, and local government. He's an engineer who loves pushing boundaries. When Dev started Anomaly in the early 2000s, cloud computing was in its infancy and local options were non-existent. So Dev decided to build his own hosting company. He's here on the podcast today to talk with me about his early years transitioning from running his own hosting company to partnering with Linode and launching a groundbreaking project in Australia that is improving the charging experience for drivers of electric vehicles. Thanks for joining us today, Dev. Not a problem. Pleasure. So as I mentioned, Anomaly used to offer hosting for your clients in higher education, healthcare, and local government uh, to minimize lock-in. Tell us about those early years when local options were limited. How did you get started? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> essentially, um, when virtualization was first a thing, um, options in, in Australia were almost non-existent. So we um, went out there and and we, we had a number of private and public sector clients who wanted virtualized hosting in, in the content management, um, yeah, to, to offer like content managed, content managed websites. Um, and we went out and then essentially started, um, um, out of necessity started, um, hiring, um, infrastructure and then building, building a hosting service for our customers. I mean, uh, admittedly that that wasn't our, uh, that that's not what we intended to do as a, as a business. We're, we're a software engineering company, uh, but out of necessity, we we had to kind of go out there and do it. Isn't that usually what happens? You never really set out to do something, and then, well, we have to do this. Nobody else is doing it. That's right. That's right. And then it was it was almost um, like Australia at the time was really lacking behind in that in that sort of service provision. So how did you come to find Linode at that point? Um, so through a collaborator, actually, we were working on a number of Drupal websites together. Um, and uh, this particular collaborator, um, he pointed me to Linode and sort of said, oh, look, you know, these guys are doing, you know, it's re the, the thing that really stuck out for us was it was simple. Like we, we could just, it was, it was like you guys did, one thing and did it well infrastructure and we, we were like this is super super easy like you know we can get a vm you know twenty dollars 10, 10 bucks get started and and 
for us, it was it was really a relief. Like we in, almost immediately as we started deploying workloads and on Linode, we essentially said we can stop doing infrastructure. We don't do this. Like you know, these guys do it so well, and 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 it was almost immediate for us. Like we started winding down our <clears throat> our infrastructure business and just just started moving workloads to Linode. So, what kind of stack do you run uh, now or then? Uh, let's start. Let's start with then and then now. Oh, sure. Um, um, so uh, then uh, we were doing um, essentially uh, Drupal or WordPress uh, deploys. Uh, uh, again, that wasn't the the ultimate goal of the business. Uh, we 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 were always a software engineering company. Uh, then deploying those sorts of workloads was a high value business for us, um, and 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 that's what we did. Um, we very quickly, so as as that market sort of started becoming a, a commodity, I suppose, uh, we very quickly shifted our focus onto building large scale web applications. And uh, now it's almost uh, our, our preferred stack is uh, Python, Postgres. Um, that's what we run on most of our Linode uh, deploys. Um, we almost exclusively use Linode as a, as a, as a platform for all our applications. I would imagine you use others too. And it's, you know, it's always best fit in, in a lot of cases, right? Sure, sure, sure. So like our, our preference is Linode, but of course, if we're working with another customer um, and they use AWS or, or GCP or whatever it might be, we, we do work with that. Um, we, we are almost exclusively, um, you know, we, we pick uh, software technologies that uh, allow us to be cloud agnostic, I suppose. Um, you know, um, like open source all, all the way. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, a large portion of our business when we, um, in sort of the 2010 mark, uh, we built and uh, we, we, we got to understand like REST and APIs very early on, and we built a business around that. So essentially, we built a, an open source uh, framework um, that allows us to build REST APIs in Python, robust REST APIs in Python very quickly. Uh, we used that to almost leverage um, ourselves, you know, our skills into the enterprise and, and build app large applications um, for, for a small team to build large applications for um, various customers. So you're you're obviously a, like we are a large, uh, ad, you know, big advocate of open source. What sort of drove you? You know, what, what was sort of the impetus? What drove you to open source first? Right, a lot of people might move to like an AWS right away. What was was open source something that allowed you to do more? Uh, I guess it stems back from, like, uh, you know, actually it stems back from when I went to university and uh, a lot of my mentors, like they, they, they showed the value of being part of that, the fundamental intellectual property being uh, in the public domain and then building a business around. So almost the value, it, it's almost the, the, the magic is, is the product itself not what build what, like what what's inside it? So the ingredients, as I suppose, uh, isn't the magic. The actual end product is, and and uh, the more of that infrastructure software that that is in the public domain, it, it 
kind of makes sense for it to you know um, for it to be there and be serviced by this large community of developers um uh, even earlier on in my university career I was, I was into the whole open open source software development of you know I was a active con- contributor of in in many many projects um and that kind of um followed on um I, i've always been an active maintainer of a number of open source projects um, um fundamentally anomaly will actually open source any anything that we possibly can any tooling any um ideas um so yeah it was always part of our dna i suppose yeah and i know i know the democratization uh and the openness of open source uh has helped out with the the increasing skills gap in in cloud and development as well uh by making things more available sure and the internet fundamentally is open right <laughs> we can we can we can keep pushing and keep keep making sure that it is that's for sure <laughs> yeah uh, now i also know you that i believe you participated in Linode's greenlight program the uh, beta program that yeah, yeah. gives in yeah. early insights into products and services talk to me a little bit more about the sort of the your experience there and what you liked about the program and if you know does this what makes it stand out a little bit right so we we're a very small team like we are we're essentially under 10 people um the way we succeed is being able to sort of see where the provider uh, or so we we heavily buy into things like infrastructure as code um we we, we leverage our time uh by not doing what we don't have to do uh, that makes sense so essentially what what i mean by that is we don't have system administrators we don't have database administrators we you know we just focus on engineering software now what greenlight gives us is where linode is headed and we get an honest answer as to when something's going to happen um so an example of that would be we're looking forward to a, your managed database uh product uh but essentially we can get a very honest answer from your team going you know it's coming in x amount of time so we can then as a as a small team plan and sort of go right for the next 6 months managing a database server is something we have to do in 6 months time um given the information from the team at Linode uh we will be able to transition and that particular thing is no longer a problem so that that's a, that's a huge value to to a team that has limited resources um because we can plan our uh, workload we can plan where we're headed where our customers are headed uh that that's something you you almost can't get from uh you know larger corporations So I want to shift gears real quick and as I was learning more about what you do uh you know I stumbled upon Relay obviously and that's a really yeah. interesting project from Anomaly and as I understand it you were having an you know a frustrating experience on vacation uh that got your wheels turning <laughs> no problem yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah yeah can you tell 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 our listeners a little bit about how Relay came to be what it is and you know sort of what you're doing with it. Yeah, sure. So, um before I say anything about that, it, it anomaly um so our plan fundamentally is building technology, uh servicing customers and then using some of that revenue um 
to fund, I guess, projects and ideas that that um, that we we believe um, are worthwhile, and that, that sort of sings to us. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the partnership with Linode actually really sings to us because, as far as I'm aware, Linode's probably the only infrastructure company of scale um, that's entirely cash flow funded. Um, so that that really sings to us because because we we're basically using our revenue to build our own products. Um, Relay sort of came about. I, I'm uh, I'm an early EV adopter here in Australia, like as early as 2015. Um, and at the time, obviously, charging at the destination wasn't wasn't a problem. But as as EVs have now the the, the almost the norm. Um, People, uh, people fundamentally don't kind of know how to conduct themselves while charging, and this isn't this is no fault of anybody. Like you know, back back in you know, think of a the gasoline infrastructure. You're essentially queued up by default because you're just just parked behind somebody. So the, the what I found was as as we would get to destinations, uh, as these things became popular. People, uh, people at the destination actually didn't know how to handle the queuing problem. I, you know, it, it's a very, it's, it, it's an odd problem because there's different infrastructure, there's third party charging equipment. Um, they want, they'll almost never talk to each other. Uh, you've got different types of cars, <clears throat> and the the start of the destination literally um the only solution they could find is just giving out details of, of ev drivers to each other and and then we found ourselves in this sort of um odd kind of position where everyone's just you know texting each other or calling each other going are you done are you are you going to move your car what so i i almost sort of thought there has to and to add to the problem this is a very temporary experience so Building an app, for example, doesn't work because I am at, um, say, a you know a, a, a kind of beach holiday only for like three or four days. So the, the the incentive of kind of buying into an infrastructure uh, just isn't there. So I sort of stepped back and sort of started thinking about you know is there can we build the most frictionless experience where you almost show up you know scan a QR code and anonymously sort of inform each other that you're there, you're charging, or you want to use the charger. So I, just this self-managed queue um, without the driver or, um, you know, or, or the actual destination having to do anything. Now, it's also, um, as I mean, the US is way further ahead than us, um, there are now third-party kind of fast charges being rolled out. Again, same problem uh, in variety of infrastructure. Uh, um, most most of them are unmanned. Like there's 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 no one actually looking after them. Um, uh, uh, no no one's actually manning them. So so yeah, the, the idea just came um, and and yeah, we started experimenting. Uh, we got a hotel that, uh, that that tried it out and gave us feedback. Um, and yeah, now we're at the stage where we're almost ready to roll it out. 
and and the technology underneath it when you started to build it um you know what role did what role did the cloud play in sort of that open infrastructure that you use yeah so uh, it's almost entirely built on open um standards so i we we brought it down to the absolute basics like a a, a mobile phone with a browser and a camera and the the entirety of it has to be uh, like I said, frictionless. If the entirety of it has to just work out of with, without someone installing an app, without someone having to do anything but just use open open standards. I like you know scanning a QR code, going to a web, uh, using a web browser, and the entire application is then held um, in the cloud um, and and built using you know open technologies. Um, so so where so where would you classify this if you were to categorize it iot or edge or mobile <laughs> <laughs> um mobile mo- mobile web reminds me of the uh of the old, old uh iot days back when back when it was still good to just have was it 1g i think it was yeah, yeah, yeah just get yeah, a little yeah. bit of da- just a, li- a little bit of text little data little on data. out there yeah. 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 So, like, I mean, we're we're pretty ambitious about it. Uh, like, you know, there, there are now uh, better understood protocols that charges, etc., will can communicate with um, other applications, like third party applications. So, the open charging protocol is, is taking hold. So, our hope is to kind of cross over to that IoT model, where eventually, I mean, the ideal. The, the ideal position of, of, of an application like this is where the charger can then talk back to us because then, then it really works because the, it reduces the, the, the user input um, and then then you know it really makes it makes it something something special yeah. Well, I know you uh, refer companies to Linode all the time. I've been talking to our sales folks uh, and it seems to be a true sign that we're doing something right uh, on this. Uh, so, you know, I guess to wrap up, I mean, if, is there anything else that, that you'd like to talk about today uh, with our listeners? I, you know, is there anything from the Australia specific market that uh, that's going on that's interesting? Well, uh, a couple of things I've, kind of always mentioned uh, from the Australia specific market is uh, pricing your Linode's pricing is very transparent which which helps us kind of con- convey to our customers what the what their cost looks like um, we, we, we a couple of things we do with customers um, is that we we almost always try and build a direct relationship with uh, between our customer and infrastructure provider, that's the, almost risk mitigation for a smaller business that they see that as um, as insurance, if you will. Like say, if if you, if, if uh, they would change their minds on a provider, Linode and and oh, the infrastructure provider, and them have a direct relationship, so uh, it allows us to communicate very clearly, um, you know, what what their costs are going to be. Um, the uh, the other thing that really sings out to us is customer support. So they can very directly contact your your customer support, and your Linode support has always been stellar. So that that 
assures our customer that they can reach out to the infrastructure provider. Again, uh, I must em- emphasize that we have always wanted to be a software company. So it really helps us out because we can almost sort of say, we've built the solution. The solution's built to open standards. You can move between providers as you wish. However, there's someone we trust who can run your application independently. I mean, we're always involved with our customer, but uh, it, it allows us to sort of give them that assurance um, that, that, you know, the infrastructure is looked after. I mean, just simple things like it's backed up. It's, it's, it's always there. If something goes wrong, they can reach out to um, someone other than us. Um, again, we're being very forward thinking here and sort of going, you know, um, this is your insurance policy, if you will. Um, and, yeah, you know, um, yeah, the, the clarity of kind of being able to sort of say this, these are your costs. Um, you know, here's a provider you can trust. It's in um, some, some of our deployments um, require uh, the infrastructure to be in Sydney uh, or in Australia. Uh, that's, again, a big plus. Yeah, we've seen that on the on the local side uh, with with local uh, with data with data uh, provenance as well, and and I think one of the things that we hear we hear frequently is what is what you said is about you know, being able to to actually talk to a human uh, when you when 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 things go when things go wrong right? and you when need help right? exactly. yeah that's and things exactly. do go wrong yeah 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 and. Uh, uh, I was just going to add to that that um, some of our projects um, there's a the, the, there's an ambitious sort of open source project we're taking on at the moment with in the local government sector here, and 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 yeah we're we're kind of you know going out to our, so, so we're going out to our customers and sort of saying look the the, the entirety of the product is open sourced um, um, it's, it's probably probably uh, um, probably another episode for for, for for, for another another podcast, but essentially we're going out to our customer and going the the entirety of what we're trying to build is will, will be open sourced, and here's a provider you can go to, um, and and you know run the software on. Do you do you find that there's a a linkage, uh, unsaid, between the open standards that you build on? the availability of support and the transparency of pricing that really holds true to that open source ethos. It seems like there's a, it's a natural mix of open source, the community in there. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I really do. And, and the, the big thing that for us is it's very clear what Linode does. It's, 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 you know, very straightforward. It's a, it's a you guys are an infrastructure company. You're, you're solving infrastructure. Period. Like every other cloud provider, almost kind of gets mixed up in you know, is it application? Are you are you are you just doing bare bone hardware? Are you actually you know, is it just virtualized? So, what what we find with dealing with Linode is it's it's infrastructure. It's managed high availability infrastructure. We are building software on top of that. We're not locked into anything. We're not, yeah, you, you can run almost anything on your infrastructure, but it's, there, there, there is no kind of that lock-in style attitude. 
Well, okay. wait until you hear about the rockets and retail stores we have planned for this year. Ah, right. <laughs> well, Dev, thanks a lot for your time today. We really look Thank forward you. to seeing what uh, what you and the, the team develop next. Uh, where can folks learn more about Anomaly? Uh, so uh, most, mostly on our website, anomaly.ltd. Um, we are on Twitter. Uh, you'll find the links on our website. Um, very approachable. Please, if anyone wants to know anything, please do email us. Um, yeah, most, mostly on the web. <laughs> Well, great. Thanks again. Thanks a lot for your time today. And we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to Craft of Code. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please subscribe to make sure you're the first to hear when we release future episodes. And we'd love it if you left a review. 